Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 595. We are back in L.A. this week uh, with At Midnight. And uh, it's going to be a good week because I believe we're doing a Reno 911 cast reunion this week. So check that out, At Midnight, back in L.A. Super fun shows in New York, by the way. Uh, thanks to everyone who took part in that. And uh, we're on At Midnight. How long am I going to keep saying that? I, I know you know. But it's sort of, you know, my mom does this thing where she's like, okay, wear your seatbelt. I'm like, mom, I know. I know how to drive. She's like, I know, but if I don't tell you, then I'm not doing my job as a mother. So I guess I'm not doing my job as a podcast mother if I don't uh, repeat things over and over again uh, until you tell me to stop telling you. So I apologize, but it's just sort of the nature of the creature. This episode is Churches which you may recognize as uh, C-H-V-R-C-H-E dot E-S, which is, their, uh, which is their URL, which I believe is uh, Espania, but, uh, but it works out very well, churches. Now, this is a band uh, that I, we became friends on Twitter. Lauren Mabry, lead singer, they're a Scottish band, and uh, I'd been listening to them on the uh, Sirius, uh, Sirius XM, and all of a sudden one day... I noticed, like, hey, they referenced the Nerdist podcast, so I realized they were following me. So I just sent them a direct message and said, hey, want to come on the podcast? And Lauren wrote me back and said, sure, we'll be in L.A. soon. And so that's how it worked out. Uh, we recorded this podcast in the tour bus, uh, so it was super cool, like we were on the road. And I saw them at the Tower Theater in L.A., and they were fantastic. And Lauren is great, super cool, super funny, very talented, charming, delightful. So uh, their last album, their most recent album, is called The Bones of What You Believe. It's available now. And uh, we tagged a song from that show at the Tower Theater at the end of the podcast. So here we go. The Nerdist Podcast, number 595, with my new friend, Lauren Mayberry, a.k.a. Chaverches. Now entering Nerdist.com. to do shows all the time so yeah. you don't you don't get to go to Halloween Horror Nights not no but I guess we're playing a uh, playing a show technically in Disney Disney World is it Disney World or Disneyland Disney, Disney World's Land. in Florida Disneyland's here Disney World we're playing the House of Blues in Orlando oh. next month so at first I, um, I was like I'm intrigued because I think I went to Orlando once when I was about four um, and by all accounts, my parents said I was a complete bastard the entire time. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think maybe I'll have to go back and exercise those demons because, um, yeah, they were not and work it out. with my behavior. I don't remember. I feel like it's kind of at that crossover point where you know that you were a person and you know that you were you, but I don't feel morally responsible for it. Right, so, so you like, shouldn't still feel guilt. So I didn't, for I didn't that. have a proper moral consciousness, so no. I'm sorry that I was a complete dick. But you should but, call your parents afterwards and say, you know, I was really cool this time. Yeah, I didn't cry when any of the weird people dressed as animals approached me, which I think was a recurring theme. You know, I think you should have turned it around on them. Maybe you guys should have done a better job and maybe I wouldn't have been that way. You know, do you ever think to yeah. spin it around that I way? I thought about it, but there's a lot of uh, early... Early '90s video camera footage of it, and I look at it, and I'm like, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> Being a little asshole there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you get to go back and make it right. Disney World is actually much bigger than Disneyland, so mm -hmm. you'll Good have facts. more. You'll have more space to run around. 
Mm-hmm. We'll see. <laughs> I'm nervous. Do you like rides? Um, I don't. I kind of. I feel like I used to when I was a kid, but I'm a very anxious adult, so I don't know how that would work. But uh, Martin is very from the band is very very into rides. He goes on a lot of roller coasters. Um, oh, okay. And whenever we're on a driving day in the van or in the bus, he's always trying to find uh, theme parks on the way and then has to drag at least one person with him. But so far, a, not me. You have time to do that? Um, like, mo- like I guess things are kind of winding down now, so there's a little bit more time between things, but there's always at least two days on a tour where you're driving from somewhere really far away, and uh, you just go through really random bumfuck towns that you would never go through. But that's pretty interesting that you get to see a lot of our country. I've been, I've driven around Scotland, and it's fucking amazing. It is. It is very nice. It's very green. It's, you don't get to see it much. But, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah I, I think... Uh, Years ago, this my girlfriend at the time and I rented a car in London, and we drove all the way up through the east side, up through Edinburgh, and then all the way back down. We went up to just before you can get to the Isle of Skye, but we did not take the ferry across, and then back down through Glasgow, and then all Very the way nice. back down. It was really, really cool. See, you've actually been there and seen things. A lot of the time when we <laughs> speak to people, they somebody complimented me, I think, last, last year. We did an interview, and someone complimented me on my English. Mm. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> and really I was like, good. Thank you. Yeah, well, I, don't know. I was You've... like, I'm going to take that as a compliment anyway because I do try and <laughs> expand my vocab. That's sort of the that's sort of the kind of the arrogance of America. Sometimes is like you speak our language really well. You're like, I think it was our fucking language first, actually. Well, but then it makes me sound doubly con- like equally condescending if I'm like, God, I can't believe you don't know that. <laughs> so you know, if I drive, if I'm in the UK and I drive two hours left, I'm in the sea. Whereas if you go two hours one way, you're still in the same state. So. That's true. Well, it's. The thing that kept freaking me out was that uh, I didn't have a problem in the beginning driving on the right side of the car on the right side of on the left side of the road. Yes. But when you start driving for a while, you just sort of forget where you are. And I it never ceased to amaze me how much I thought I was going to die when I would see a <laughs> truck barreling and be like, "I'm on the wrong side." And then go, "Okay, I'm in Scotland. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Just keep breathing. Everything's going to be all right." Yeah, I was in Glasgow. I was no, not I was in Edinburgh last year. Just I went. I went last year. It's fucking so nice. It's nice. It's a nice place. For How do the, you for the Fringe? No. no, no. I was there. It was a couple months before the Fringe. I think yeah. Most people that live in Edinburgh will probably tell you that's a better time to go because I think the Fringe is really awesome. Obviously, but yeah. um, I don't know if you get a proper sense of the city. I always want to go it's perform nice. at the Fringe, but it's just I don't have a month to spare. And I know you can go yeah. for less time, but I feel like if you're going to do it, you really should do it for Gotta the full go month. Do the full thing. Yeah, um, I guess I've seen a few things on and off over the years, and I worked, um, used to work for magazines and stuff, so then you kind of see a million shows in a day and run around doing all that. But um, yeah, it's a very diverse lineup. I mean, literally, the class system is, the city is designed... Like, the rich people live higher, and the poor people lived lower, and they basically just, like, threw buckets of piss on them. (laughs) I like the past tense there. It's nice that you used the past tense. (laughs) It's not that way anymore, right? No, Um, I hope not. Um, I don't don't live there, so I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, I guess the Fringe this year, I got to see Stuart Lee, which Uh was really cool. So, um, yeah, I'd never seen him live before, so... I was th- well, and how are you? F- I mean, listen, not to start delving into. Oh, you're going to bring pop- up, aren't you? Yeah. Well, ha- I mean, you know, you are uh, you are from Scotland, and this did just happen, and you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. Um, no, like I guess um, my kind of hope is um, that people do something good with what's happened. Like I think the final quote that I read in the Guardian was that 97 percent of people who were eligible had registered to vote, which is pretty insane. And I guess the average turnout was about. 80% ish in most places which is pretty ridiculous so um, 
I think if they can channel it into something productive which creates a more democratic system for the whole of the United Kingdom, mm -hmm. then that would be good. Because um, we don't have like a federal system like sure. you guys do. So representative democracy is going to be it's going to be good if you can get it. But um, yeah. Well, we don't have to talk about that anymore. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I survived I, it. Oh. You survived. No, listen, this is not. This is not a hard-hitting podcast. You, uh, you've listened to the podcast I have, before. I have, yes. So not a hard-hitting podcast. We're just here to make you feel comfortable, learn a little bit about you. I'm going to take the mic off the stand. You can take the mic off the stand. Mm -hmm. Talk in the back of your awesome tour bus, which I've never... I've always wanted to do the tour bus tour, um, but I I just fly to a city and perform and then go back home. But this this just feels like the way to do it. Well, yeah, we were um, myself and Kyle were talking about this earlier, and I feel like now it's... I'm excited to see what Kyle looks like because uh, when Kara, our tour manager, and I were talking about the podcast, she was like, "Oh yeah, and Kyle, the producer's coming. You know, the guy that laughs in the background." <laughs> and I was like, "That's I know. it." It's there particularly it echoey in this uh, in this room. It's nice acoustics for you. Yeah, it's good. Uh, does Kyle look like what you thought he would look like? Um, I don't know. I guess I haven't really like tried to sit and like close my eyes and tried to picture him. But um, I've described him a lot as a as a uh, as a tall hipster walk around Muppet. Oh. So okay. he sort of he kind of has this muppety vibe to him. It's a little bit of the Chuck, a little shaggy. A little bit of the Chuck Klosterman about you. Yeah, in there. But he's got the you know. But he'll still rock a plaid shirt uh, and and uh, cords. So Classic. he's a he's a sweet guy. We take him out and take him out for walks and feed him once in a while. <laughs> he does all right. Um, but yeah, I don't. Um, I feel like I shouldn't. I shouldn't um, fangirl too much. But um, it's quite exciting. You should fangirl, please. Um, but yeah, like uh, I guess a lot of a lot of podcasts to listen to on tour. So thank you for that, guys. Oh, um, please, of course. And I think when we started touring, I was I was familiar with the format of the podcast. You know, I would listen to news podcasts, a bit of Adam and Joe. Mm -hmm. um, you had Adam Buxton on. That was really yeah, exciting. Adam. Adam was great. Um, but my friend Dave was the one that pointed me onto this, and I feel like I should give him like whatever the nerd is equivalent of Dropbox upgrade pass on points are <laughs> for this because he's told me and I've told like so many other people so well thank, thank you, you very much I am honored I mean I've been listening you know uh, Sirius uh, Sirius XM plays the shit out of you guys so yeah. I've been listening they've been very nice I've been very listening nice to you for a while yeah and um, and so it it's always it's one of the interesting things about social media and the way this all works is that you see someone that you already like and, the, and you go wait how do they listen to this th what <laughs> and so I immediately I immediately jumped on that I'm like when you, and then just coincidentally you happen to be in town this week it totally worked out so how were you so last night you played at the Palladium we did yes And but then you broke it up and you're playing at the Tower Theater tonight um, yes we were just because um, for some inexplicable reason people bought the tickets really fast so thank you to them um, and we thought we would try and put on an extra show but we didn't really know where to do it and um, this seems like a pretty cool place to be doing it um, for some reason they bought tickets fast it's because you're popular now yeah, people like you for the time being I well, know I know I know I if you have that <laughs> I am a very uh, I, yeah pessimism is the way to be then you won't ever be disappointed <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I think I think the problem I think the problem can be that sometimes pessimists think that they're being realistic, but but yeah. when they're actually being pessimistic. But I understand what you mean. Like it's yes, it, I guess if you do look at the history of entertainment, sooner or later, if you don't want to do this anymore, mm. you know. But I still think you're quite a ways. I hope so. I guess yeah, it's weird. It's a weird thing because we've all been in bands for so long, and this isn't ever something we really ever anticipated. So yeah. Um, 
obviously we're proud of what we're doing and stuff but I think most days we're like when, when's the jig going to be up like when, when are we all going to figure out that we didn't really we don't really know what we're doing but see that's <laughs> the thing is that everyone feels that way I hope like, so literally everyone feels that, that way what do they call it there's like the imposter complex or whatever. I guess so yeah. yeah didn't Jeff Bridges say that too it's like everyone says oh, Jeff that Jeff Bridges that's not fair he's not he's Jeff Bridges <laughs> yeah that's not fair but seriously but they all everyone everyone says that everyone everyone so. kind of feels like uh, because it's such a strange it's such a strange thing to think that you could just make something and then other people could relate to it and they could relate to you and they could mm-hmm. like you and then and then it could be a thing and you're like no 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 that's that's uh, there's other bands that's that's <laughs> that's not us you know yeah. plus I think maybe I don't know maybe when you're like 16 you're like yeah I mean, it's the best thing in the world ever and it's gonna connect with so many people and it's gonna be great and then you realize it probably wasn't that good but you know you were learning you were learning you do know? you have any of the old uh, tapes from when you were 16 um some of the, some of it secretly exists on the internet but people took a long time to catch on to that I was uh, I was like hmm like, I think my university band is on there um, I think called Boyfriend Girlfriend Great name, guys. Great name. Oh. Um, I think there's a defunct MySpace page that's lurking around there. Um, but I maintained that for me, that wasn't very, it's not embarrassing because I just play drums on it and do a tiny bit of vocals. And I was like, drumming in a band that kind of sounds a bit like at the drive in meets Idleworld. I'm okay with that. So, did you, was it, so. was it always for you like, I'm going to be in a band no matter what, whether it be playing drums, singing, playing synth, like anything? Um, I think so. Like, my parents aren't musicians, but I grew up in quite a musical house, and they always encouraged me to play. And, um, yeah, people can ask ask you, like, when did you decide to give up your day job to become a, a musician? I'm like, oh, it didn't really work like that. <laughs> I guess it's just something you kind of do concurrently as you're working. Um, and, yeah, I think I started... I played piano when I was a kid, and then when I was in high school for the music class, you had to have two instruments, and I didn't... I decided I didn't want to sing in the exams, so I was like, oh, I'll, I'll learn drums for a year and I'll do that instead. So then I did piano and drums and uh, just did backing vocals in bands. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the other band that I'm in at the same time as this, but we don't get to do a huge amount because I'm always away with these guys. I play keyboards and some percussion and do some singing. And then I guess in this, I play some keyboards on the record, but this is the first band I've been in where there isn't actually something to hold on to when you're <laughs> playing live. So there was a lot of like, what to do with my hands? What did you do? How did um, you figure it out? Uh, a lot of angst um, but I figured out I hold on to the microphone cable a lot and try and make it look like I'm being very angsty with the microphone cable <laughs> but really I'm like my limbs are just so they're just hanging like One I don't days, know what to someone's going to fuck you over and give you a wireless mic and you're going to go grab a cord and go where, the, where well, do I well we have had a conversation about that and I was like no, I can't, we can't do that now <laughs> sorry we can't <laughs> not yet but you know we're just we grew up in public to an extent with that stuff because we were lucky that people picked up on the band so early sure so you know we've just been finding our feet and trying to trying to do it and because we all played however many millions of live shows in other bands but every band is different so yeah you need a, like one of those stress dolls that you could just squeeze on stage I think so or just like a little kind of blanket just yeah just some, a blanket <laughs> that'd be nice just to wrap myself in it See, but I'm trying to think that's a thing you could start like a thing yeah, we're trying to I think I saw this TED talk where this woman was talking about um how your body language not only influences what other people think of you, but also what you think of yourself. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if I believe this, but then I tried it for a bit, and I was like, she's so true, it's so right. Okay, like what? Um, just that she was like, if you're constantly like kind of hunkering down and apologizing for yourself, then it's going to feed back into your psyche, and then that's how you're going to behave. Um, so then it's just like you know, do the kind of Wonder Woman pose for two minutes a day, or like just open your arms. And it was like open body language feeds into your psyche, which feeds into your behavior. And I was like. 
I thought that was going to be hippie-ish, but I think it's kind of useful. So. <laughs> then did you start applying that on stage? Um, I do it a wee bit before we go on stage, yeah. So I think it helps. It's weird because your emotional state can affect how you hold your body. Totally, But yeah. the reverse is true as mm. well. And so it is kind of hard to... I, I worked for years, like, I had a terrible hunch. Because not only just sitting in front of computers, but just also, like, that that kind of, like, no, I suck, you know. Mm. And then it really took a long time before I had to... I sort of had to start pretending like my shoulders were being pulled by a string back. Because otherwise, I, I'd be like this. I'd be like this all the time. Why do you think we're like that as performers? <laughs> I don't know. I don't Isn't know. it funny that you choose to do the thing... Yeah, well, I think, plus, I think I talk to myself all the time, like, as an inner dialogue. I'm like, oh, but then people don't, people think that you're not very good at it. And I'm like, no, well, then you just have to pretend to be better at it. And I guess it's kind of that thing you were talking about. I was like, if you just have to fake it until, like, I really enjoy playing live and stuff, but I guess, like, this band has ramped up so quickly. Yeah. So I guess every time I'm like, I've got a handle on that, it gets bigger and the stakes get higher. So I was like, just, like, constantly trick myself into psychologically thinking everything's fine. Do you think that um, uh, do you think that we get superstitious and we think we have to be like that? Because if you go, no, my band's awesome, then you're like, oh no, it's all gonna fall apart now because I accepted it. I'm not sure. I guess for me, I think I didn't. I've never had like proper like stage training or anything like that. So I guess when we're playing, it's pretty genuine representation of what we're like, just a kind of slightly bigger version of that. And I think at first when we started doing this, because I've kind of come from alternative rock background and so of the other guys we were like we don't really want to change the way we're doing things because the music is slightly different yeah and i think at first people were like but they're in a an electro pop band like she shouldn't be making stupid jokes on stage like she should be like dancing and oh man i love the when people are like she should dance more she should smile more <laughs> who oh, says that just random dickheads <laughs> i think i don't i don't like why i, I try and not like i used to get quite offended by it and i was like that's that whole like walking down the street and telling someone to like telling a girl to smile sweetheart and stuff like that right but was, and i was like if i was a guy you wouldn't say that to me no one tells tommy art to smile really do they not now no he's, no he's they... made he's made he's made them respect that he's in his area yeah but well maybe uh, they did at the start sorry, I, oh, sorry kicking no, you under I, the table. I do we're playing footsie um oofed I do. I I have been told that before by people in public because I think my natural face is sort of just because I'm in my head a lot. Just thinking, yeah, and yeah, and then people are like, "Hey, buddy, cheer up!" And you always want to go, "Fuck you!" And, you don't and I, know what's happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't know me, and I know. I know. If you were to tell them to fuck off, they'd be like, "I was just trying to be like, yeah, but you're pinning your idea mm. off onto me, and that's not that's not yeah. right." So I guess that, and then the whole um, she should she should dance more thing. I think I remember seeing some. I try and be. We try and be active on the social networks, but I think there's certain points where certain things have happened. And I'm just gonna. I'm sure I'll let that one sit for a couple of days. Um, <laughs> and we'd been on um, the Jimmy Fallon show. Yeah. Um, just a couple months ago, which was really exciting. Um, and then I was like, oh, I'm gonna like just reply to a message that somebody sent me. And then I was like, well, I, I'll have a little look. Will I? And then I clicked the app button, and I was like, mistake, mistake. <laughs> abort, abort. Yeah. Backpedal, <laughs> This backpedal. parachute is a knapsack. It was awful. Um, I'm in midair. Yeah. And then, also, and then obviously, the, I think it's just like human nature, isn't it? You see however many nice things, but you remember the smaller number of nasty things. Of course. And people were like, she needs to get more presence, otherwise this band's going to go fucking nowhere. And then I was like, God, what? Just on the... Goddamn television. I know. Well, that's because, <laughs> that's because, you know, the one negative comment... It's harder for us to accept the positive comments. You're like, yeah, 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 yeah. That is, and but 
the one negative comment just is it just chews at our insecurity. Well, part of me was like maybe maybe I buy into those more because I think was it seen in there's a scene in Girls or something and Lena Dunham's character is like all the all the awful things that you could possibly say to me I've said however many times to myself already today <laughs> and I was like I know that that was meant to be funny and it is funny in a kind of dark way but it's probably true so maybe when you hear something about yourself it feeds into all those things that you silently secretly wonder about in the dark of night of course or know. just all day in the, in the light of day <laughs> as well but then I pretend not to so it's fine <laughs> and I don't smile at people in the street just in case no well it's funny if you I think New Yorkers are much more accustomed to that you know, you go to different parts of the country. It's like in the South, if you're walking around, I think you're very likely to hear that from someone mm-hmm. because people are very, you know, they, they like to connect with people and they're very friendly. Well, it's nice. See, maybe it's me. I'm being an asshole. No. I was just trying to be nice. <laughs> just like Disney World. Oh, uh, just again. Yeah. Was that what you were doing? You weren't smiling at people at Disney World? I think I think it's possibly because I come from a colder country. I was t- struggling to deal with the heat. Sure. I was an ungrateful four-year-old child that didn't realize this is a really great opportunity that you're having. Mm-hmm. You can't explain that to a child and no. now I think my mom kind of said she was like when you were a kid you were like really carefree until a point and then you became really worried all the time oh so I don't know and then I don't I feel like now maybe I was like trying to find a balance between these two things but now yeah the intense guilt complex is where now I'm like oh an ungrateful child it's so awful <laughs> you know that's like, the worst part is that you, you you feel bad about something and then you start feeling bad for feeling bad and then it's just this <laughs> it's like spiral. layer cake spiral. of bullshit yeah yep. but the truth of the matter is that uh, I think you might as well enjoy it. May as well try. You might yeah. as well enjoy the moment while it's happening because it's pretty yeah. fucking amazing. It's pretty yeah. cool. I mean, so I'm going to go back. I'm going to purge purge the demons. You're going to go back. This is your, your your return trip to Disney World is going to absolutely. It's on my birthday actually. When's your birthday? <laughs> it's on the seventh of October. So we're playing in Orlando, um, and then maybe I don't know. Uh, Cara, our tour manager, was like, "What do you want to do for your birthday?" And I was like, uh, "Play a show, I guess." Okay, so if you're able to... Let's make a deal. Let it, if you're able to purge the demons... Just I don't want any of the people in the animal costumes to touch me. I'm sorry. They don't. It's still weird. I don't want them to do that. <laughs> just this weird, goofy costume coming up Ew. going, why don't you it's, dance more? It's very like, sinister. Yeah. It's very sinister. They're very sinister. But I want to know, know if you feel free <laughs> after your return trip to Disney maybe. World. I'll have to... Yeah. I feel like I owe it to my parents. It's or maybe I'll just like completely regress... And act exactly the same. <laughs> I really hope not. Oh, it'll yeah, go downhill. So what? Uh, what are some of the moments? Like, what are some of your holy shit? I can't believe we're doing this moments recently. Um, it's been quite a lot of them, to be honest. Um, I guess because we've been doing this qu- quite constantly. Yeah. Um, it's quite hard to get a certain perspective on it. So maybe at the end of the year, when we're not doing it as much, it'll be easier to tell. But stuff like. Coachella was pretty mad because I've never been to that festival but I've read about it so much and um, we turned up to to play and I think our friend Rachel took a photo from the back of the stage and you can see I was like These, there's definitely people there there's definitely <laughs> a lot of people there um, and that was kind of a weird one and yeah I guess I was saying to Kyle before you arrived I've only ever been in a band that's done like toilet tours of the UK and like a few like a couple of like indie festivals in Europe. What's a toilet? So, oh, a toilet tour. Like oh, just, just like, uh, not, not actually playing in toilets, sure. but just, you know, like kind of grimy venues. Um, right. so, like there was a horrible time where we slept on a, slept on a stage in a venue because the house we were supposed to be staying in fell through and we didn't know what to do. So we went back to the venue and the promoter had gone. So we were like, okay, we'll just stay here, I guess. 
So um, we're, so definitely, we're definitely doing better now. So I think it's just important to appreciate those things and not become a shuddering arsehole. <laughs> I think it's so. funny. I think you're too worried about becoming an asshole. You're not going to become an there's asshole. There's too many assholes No, in the world. there's... Plus, it's not- really bad when you... I, you probably... I don't know. Maybe you just know loads of really nice people. But I think it's weird now when you start to meet people who whose work you really, really love... And I'm really worried about the day that I meet someone that's an asshole about it. Because so far, I've been really lucky to just meet people who are incredibly nice. Most people are incredibly nice. But well, I, worry, I worry about that one moment, that whole don't meet your heroes moment, where you'll see somebody doing something horrible, but like, you know, throwing something in someone's face and be like, I said unsalted almonds. And you're like, <laughs> no, not you. Yeah, I yeah. don't want that. It'll pro- it's possible it could happen, but um, for the most part, I think, you know, I think, I think you'll be okay. Or, you know, maybe we've just been lucky enough to see people faking it and <laughs> just seeing, like, their their, their, pu- their public side. Plus, I think it's weird weird for us now because we try, we try and be not that that guy. You know, that guy that's yes. backstage at the festival and then it's bothering people. I'm like, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. But then occasionally you'll see someone and you'll be like, oh, don't look. Stay still. Revision is based on movement. Stay still. I'll tell so. you, there's no, and it never gets any. It never gets any easier. And, and no matter what level of people you talk to, they also have people. Plus, everyone's. Just, it's kind of weird when you have that moment of realization where you're like, everyone is just a person. We're yeah. all just people. And I think it's weird. Um, like I think especially in the states, um, kids wait outside shows for us and stuff. And I think that's. I'm like, don't get so excited. Everything's fine. But it's so nice. But at the same time, I'm like, that's insane that they're so like excited. To talk to us we're just, we're just idiots like, we're lucky enough that we get to do something we really love to do but it's kind of like I'm like that's how excited like I would get about like Deftones or Radiohead or something sure when I, when I was like 16, 17 I'm like that's insane I've told this story on the podcast before but I have to tell you I had a really bad experience with Tom York once oh no but it that's was how it's like see partly I'm like I've, that makes me feel good because if you were if you had like an experience where you were just like high-fiving and like I can't imagine Tom York high-fiving. No. Uh, you'd, you'd, <laughs> you'd hold up your hands to high-five. You'd be like, up top, Tom York. You'd be like... Yeah. You'd probably leave you hanging, but in the name of anti-capitalism or something. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I've heard he's gotten a lot better about that stuff now, but I think I caught him... This was... Wow, this was a long time ago. You were but a wee poppy. I was probably just being a little asshole at Disneyland. <laughs> you were being a little asshole at Disneyland when <laughs> I was working at K-Rock in the 90s. Oh, of course. And um, we were doing, an, it was an acoustic Christmas show, and it was, t- this is just to tell you how long ago it was, it was between the bends in OK Computer. Ah, interesting time, though, in hindsight. And he uh, he was supposed to be interviewed by another DJ or something, and I came backstage, and they were like, Hey, do you want to interview Radiohead? And I was like, well, of course I do. And um, I don't know. He was mad about something. So I, we didn't even start. And he just stood up and went, oh, this interview's over. And then he, like, stormed out. And then I tried to smooth it over with him later that night. And he just was not in a – he just wouldn't talk to me. I didn't do anything. He was mad about something else. But If he ever hears this podcast back, I don't think that impression's going to get you any points either. <laughs> I mean. I've, I've already put to bed the fact that I'm ever going to be friends with Tom York. Aww. So I think I, – I don't know if we'll ever – Well, I rewatched um – Meeting people is easy on the plane because yeah. I think I started thinking about it after I listened to the Adam Buxton podcast. Yes. And you guys were doing the Radiohead nerd out, which I really. Oh, I still, you know what? And that's how much I love Radiohead is I fucking still love them. Yeah, and I was thinking I was like I haven't watched that since can't even think when. So I was like I'll get it and I'll watch it on the plane. Um, and Martin, my bandmate, was like, "Why are you watching this? It's so depressing." <laughs> but he's he's one of the biggest Radiohead fans I've ever met, and we were talking about it afterwards, and we we're like, "Isn't it weird? Like watching that now? Like obviously we're not anywhere near as." Um, incredible as Radiohead but just in terms of like 
the things that happened in that documentary that we've now technically done I'm like that's insane like we were on we did the Lerman and uh, the stage manager guy was a bit intense and quite pushy and not very helpful and I was like hey it happened to them too <laughs> um, but then also I was watching it and I was like yeah in a weird way a lot of the themes and stuff that he struggles with I'm like that probably does happen to a lot of people once they get to a certain point and you can it's kind of a weird time to watch it because you can see that he's totally trying to come to terms with what's happening and how how just how to be or something well you so. know the, the story that i heard about um the you know the song how to disappear completely uh yes. is it maybe uh, kyle who's okay uh i had heard that that song was based on a conversation that he had with michael stipe right when radiohead was getting really famous and and of course if tom york is listening he can confirm or deny this to himself uh but uh <laughs> It's all speculation. It's all speculation. Yeah. But let's just say that in this, you know, in, in this legendary story that, uh, that Tom said to Michael Stipe, you know, how do you deal with it? And Michael Stipe basically said, I shut my eyes and I just say, uh, I'm not here. I'm not here. This isn't really happening. And so basically that's, that's what I heard where that, where that song came from, came, came mm. from. Came's from? Where the came's from? Where's the came's from? <laughs> that's where song the came's are from. It's all very, it's all got very like Borat in here. Um, I think <laughs> that's interesting. with Elmo. <laughs> oh. Mm. Uh, mm, mm. Mm. All right, Jar Jar. Um, <laughs> I was. Where's the came's from? A bad's a place. Oh, oh, that's a, that's a, that's a bad era. Oh, that really, yeah, that really hurts. Bad era. Um, I made uh, tried to make a Star Wars reference on stage yesterday and it just okay make it now because you'll be fine well I just was saying that the the way that the palladium is laid out when we were standing in the middle because there's people kind of around the sides and around the back I was like it's kind of like the imperial senate <laughs> and that Ian and I were like am I right yeah right, like laughing about it and I think like eight people in the venue were like totally right on <laughs> <laughs> but can I'm I tell like, you something those you. eight people loved the shit out of that reference I hope so but that's what's not that's almost so. what's kind of not fair about about what you do is that uh some people that like out of context, like in any other context, people would be like, "Oh, she's making a joke." But when people are in like music mode, sometimes it's hard for them, mm. I think, to break out of that when yeah. they see a band. Plus, possibly, kind of what we were saying earlier. I suppose if there's a band that you would not expect to do that, it would be like, "Oh, she's a serious girl singer in front of serious electro band," and then in between songs, they're like, "So I was talking to this guy," and they're like, "What? No, I'm telling you, none of this chat." You're like. <laughs> New York and LA are different, am I right? And you just start doing stand up in between. Awful, yeah. Like just I don't 20 think minutes I would of stand up. I don't think I would survive it. No, I no. think that's great. And, and I hope you don't stop doing that. Because I think the more you do it, the more and more people will will end up like figuring out what's actually happening and they'll love it. So. And, and it's your personality. And, I try and tell myself that the reason people think that you should behave a certain way is because that's what they know already. If you right. know what I mean? So they want you to fit into the box that already exists. But I kind of feel. Oh. It already exists. But that's what's so weird about, especially what you do with music, is that people, you're, an, an individual audience member will take such ownership over what you do because it affects them in a very personal way. And so then it sort of is like, well, this is my thing, and my thing is not being expressed the way that I expect my thing to be expressed. And so it's almost like, you know, and it's not your fault, but on a certain level, it's almost like you're uh, fucking with their their house in a weird way even though it's your thing but they make it their thing yeah I guess yeah and I suppose I think we try and not think about stuff like that too much because I think if you start trying to please one person then you you can't can't, it'll never it's impossible just have to put the blinkers on and keep going it's impossible you you have to you know you have to do what you like to do 
and you know if you take a step and someone's like I don't like that then mm. they were on the fence and they weren't gonna stick around anyway That's like if, if one thing if you make one joke you're like I'm never gonna go like they weren't gonna stick around anyway because that shouldn't yeah. That's not someone who's really getting what you're doing. And I do think, you really want them around if they don't really get you? Yeah, I guess it's a weird thing because I guess for us when we're writing it, we're like this is ours. But once you put the once we put the record out, I'm like to an extent, I suppose this sounds really full, full profound. But like I kind of feel like the ownership transfers absolutely. So it's like it belongs. Like those people have made it their own. They have their own associations. So what it means to me, it doesn't mean to them, and it will be different. So, yeah, and they know. probably you know they probably pick up on different musical hooks than you pick up on they pick up on different Maybe. lyrics and other lyrics that you want them to really get they it just sails right past their head mm. it's but just what would michael stipe do, yeah, would do? <laughs> he would say i'm not here this isn't happening i'm not here yeah. and then he and then they wouldn't be rem anymore yeah but i like that bit in the documentary as well where they're like guys do you have your passes <laughs> and he's like well i'm fucking michael stipe and <laughs> this is Tom York, so no. So that's our passes? <laughs> but that makes me feel better too because I get, um, I feel like I get that quite a lot at venues <laughs> where people seem to not, not to, maybe not so much now, but um, yeah, I remember last summer I had gone into the hallway of a venue outside the dressing room to um, speak to somebody on uh, Skype and I was just kind of crouched down in the hallway and somebody came up and was like, where's your pass? And I was like, oh shit, it's like in my bag. And then I was like, can I go to the dressing room and get it? And he was like, Obviously, that's what you would say if you had, didn't have a pass. He wanted to let you into the van's dressing room to get it. No way. And I was like, well, oh, God. And my friend was on the phone, and it was just really awkward trying to like discreetly be like, my face is my pass, without like saying that and sounding like a total prick. And I was like, I think I was like dressed for the gig, and I had, like glitter on my face. I was like, I don't want to just dress like this for fun. Like that's insane. I uh, so, I, I, I highly recommend. Uh, I pay your salary. That's a good one. Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't. I'm way too British. I can't. <laughs> I can't kidding. deal with that. So I think I had to like. Um, I was like, oh, what can you can you go get someone? And I feel like I was in trouble at school or something, and I had to um, phone our manager and get him to come get me. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's. <laughs> It is embarrassing. It, it, it is hard because you don't want to... It just feels too much of drifting into don't you know who I am land, but... Oh, worst. Sometimes. Worst. worst. But I have been in situations where I've had to say, like, I'm supposed to be on stage in ten minutes, and when I'm not on stage after they introduce me, will that prove that I am who <laughs> I say I am? Oh, I hate it. Even, like, like yeah, if we go places and um, I don't really... I feel like I generally do all the same stuff that I've always done. I don't really do a huge amount of fancy, shiny things now. Yeah. But if you ever do go anywhere and something is booked under the band name or something, then I'm like, Ugh, I don't want to, oh, God, I don't want to say it. And then I kind of say it like in a kind of weird, like, oh, like try not to say it. I'm like, it might be under Laura Mover. And they're like, no, it's not there. And I'm like, oh, it's under churches. And I'm like, why do I sound constipated when I'm saying this? It's awful. Well, um, um, we don't have a like, churches, but we have a chvuches. Yeah, that would seem like a great idea at the time, didn't it? <laughs> I'll tell you why it's a great idea. I'll tell you why it's a great idea. In this internet age, you never would have gotten churches done. Nope. And now you get chvur dot es. You have a Spanish yeah, domain. We did, um, but that was because somebody uh, bought all the straight up churches churches dot com dot co dot uk everything, and then tried to extort us for them. Uh, he was like, "I want this amount of money, and also unlimited um, AAA passes for any band shows ever." And I'm like, "What? What? what? That's going to be an awkward interaction <laughs> after you try to like." Us. I don't know. So, um, yeah, I think it was the lady that works um, at our management company that had the brainwave, and she was like, wait, we just moved the dot. And it's it brilliant. totally worked. 
We have a very special guest here at the show tonight. Our extortionist has come all the way from... <laughs> Thank you so much for doing that. <laughs> I'll be watching you later tonight. Oh, no, please. Please don't. Please, please stay don't. away. <laughs> yeah. Do you find... Uh, how, how, I've always, I'm always interested to hear how dating is when you're in a band all the time. Is that impossible? <laughs> um, I feel it's difficult to an extent to... I mean, like, in some ways, your social life is great because we met so many great people when we've been touring, but... Um, I think it is a a measure of the people that you're friends with, so the sure. people are our partners and things when we're at home. Um, FaceTime's good, isn't it? That's useful. <laughs> so you can actually try and remember what people look like. Um, but yeah, I guess it's just trying to trying to adapt. Um, and I suppose it's not necessarily like we're not even off the road for a huge amount of time most of the sure. time. You get like two days at home here and there, and then it's like quick, let's bond with everybody really intensively for forty eight hours. But um, yeah, we do what we can, and everyone's very understanding. Um, I guess as of December time, we're probably going to take six, I don't know, can't even say how many months off, but we're going to go back and um, take a bit of time for a nap and start writing and see. So then maybe we'll see if anybody's personal relationships are still intact. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. It's, it's, it, it is sort of the sacrifice with the kind of lifestyle that we lead. You yeah. know, you, you have to... You just have to find the. It's hard to find the right person who, and and you know that it, you know that your life is difficult. And if they have the same type of life, then their life is difficult too. And then yeah. you just, and then it's just like, okay, I could see you on the tenth of October. Oh, you're not going to be in town because you're okay. Uh, Especially if you at the time you're like, wouldn't it be a great idea to date another creative person? A great idea because then we'll get each other on that level and it'll be amazing. But then when people are working at the same time, we're touring at the same time, then you're like, oh man. That's that's difficult. It's difficult for everybody with any long distance thing, I guess. But it is. But it's it's, it's also the catch twenty two of dating other creative people is that they do get what you do, but they also have a lot of the same hang ups that you have, and yeah. that's very tricky. Yeah. But you can't. But dating a non creative person, if you or if you're trying to talk to them, you're like, but I have all these. Uh, and, not, and I don't mean like. I mean, I'm sure they're creative in their own ways, but I mean creative. Yeah, we don't want to be patronizing. Yeah, so creative in the way they that you can't possibly understand. <laughs> but let's just say, you know, if you're if you're dating someone that doesn't work in this field and they don't. And they're like, yeah, I'm not, I just don't really, I'm not interested in the creative arts. That trying to explain, like, oh, but this is why I love doing this thing. And they're just like, mm. uh-huh, well, I'm happy for you, you know. Like, that's yeah. that's sort of difficult, too. And I think I've kind of tried, like, um, tried, tried a bit of both. And it's hard it's hard to say which works better or which worked worse. Um, yeah, because I guess I've done, like, um, uh, do I want to tell that story? I don't know. Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> No, I was just like um, somebody that I was kind of dating when we started this band. Um, we had a lot in common in terms of um, creative goals and our ethics about how we would conduct ourselves in music and things like that. But then that definitely became a contentious issue as our band started to do other things. I'm not sure if it was a competitive thing or it was just it was quite quite a weird one. Um, and I think it's just strange that you can know people very well. You've known people for however many years, but they have a definite. As soon as certain things start happening, some boxes are ticked for people, and their like Absolutely. buttons get pushed, and it's quite weird. I was like, but we have pretty much the same outlook on these things. And as soon as you, yeah, as soon as it's perceived that you are doing a certain thing, um, that whole like sellout thing happens. And like to me, I was like, I guess the idea of a sellout is somebody who sells their morals or ethics down the of river course. in order to make money. And I was like, I have never done that at any point. Yeah, the concept of making money does not make you a sellout. It just means you're getting paid to do the thing that you do so you can do more of it. Selling out is violating... It's exactly what you said. It's violating your core belief system for some type of personal gain. That's that's selling out. 
cuts. Yeah, and I think I was like, but that cuts me to my core because I spend all this time worrying about this. I have to like do like so many breathing exercises to deal with all the worry about like we have to do this right, we have to protect the project, we have to do it in the best possible way and just, you know, try and be good people about it but make sure that I guess to an extent you have to play the game in inverted commas but don't play the game in a way that makes you feel really uncomfortable. I Maybe you, later I'll worry about this less. I think you just need to I mean it is <laughs> it's it's it can be very complicated but I think when you strip it all down ultimately you should you should enjoy what you're doing and you should pursue things that are fun and you should yeah. do things that make you happy that do what you want to do and you know it's so easy to get very result oriented mm. you know like oh if then it's just like all that if then if I do this then this thing happens and it's like you know most things will be fine plus I guess but then it was like it's a lot of speculation and dialogue you've made up in your own head before it's happened I'm like yeah. no if we do that then that won't be the- no we can't no can't do that yeah. you're like why they just created this alternative reality that doesn't <laughs> exist and, it, and, it, and most of the time it's not going to exist mm. and you'll be fine so as long as you're having fun and as long as you can stay present enough to enjoy, you know, the accomplishments. I mean, these, yeah. are, these, are, these are tremendous accomplishments. It's really sweaty. It's very sweaty. It's, it's very so sweaty. sweaty. We're yeah, in this so really sorry. nice bus. We had to turn off the air conditioning. I know. Well, they should close the door so the air conditioning... You, you can open the door. You can open the door <laughs> if you want. We'll get some That's air in here. behind the music there. Oh, there it is. Here comes the air. I love seeing all of the I'll sleeping cubicles. I'm so... That looks... <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. It looks so cozy. Oh, um... It's quite co- cozy. It's quite coffin-esque to be honest because um, there's no natural light in there at all so when you wake up it's quite disorienting I love that um, well yeah and it's quite it's good for watching watching films and TV because it's like a complete personal cinema isolated but sometimes it can go a bit wrong um, recently so I feel like certain things I feel like my tour viewing needs to be balanced mm-hmm. need to have I like to watch you know a lot of documentaries but also other things because you can't have a good bit of both. You gotta spread it out. A bit of both. Um, and um, I don't know. I don't know how anyone will feel about this, but um, secretly kind of into Supernatural. That Supernatural is a great show. Oh, okay, good. Um, because <laughs> a lo- I get a lot of uh, funny looks about it on the bus. They're like, "No, oh, she's watching Supernatural again." No, mm. and I'm like, "What?" About- like I love, I love a good bit of lore. You love you know? Sam and Dean and Castiel, and you I, love the I whole fucking played, group. I once played a drinking game with a friend um, where we would take a drink every time. It was in the series, series one. Take a drink every time they mentioned dad. <laughs> I was like, well, but what would dad? What about dad? Dad would want us to do this, and every time, woof, it is potent. You got, you got <laughs> drunk real fast. <laughs> yes, um, but I was watching one the other day. Um, I don't know what series it is. Kind of early, I think. Um, and they're in a haunted asylum, which, mm-hmm. first off, terrifying. Yeah. Um, I'm like, it's a terrible thing that they would do to people with mental health problems, but also really scary. And fucking haunted. Like, <laughs> asylum. Really scary. Scary. A haunted asylum. Um, and I was in the bunk, and I was I had the computer next to the wall, so the curtain of the bunk is behind me, just to paint a picture for people. Yes. Um, and I think Kara had been shouting on us, but I had my headphones on. She just wanted to ask me a question, um, which is completely fine. Um, but I was watching it, and it was just at a point where the girl is in the asylum. She's very scared and very worried. And you see, this, like, it's, the camera's pointing at the back of her head, and you see, like, the spirit's hand going out. It's just about to touch her on the shoulder. And at that exact point, Kara put her hand through the curtain of the oh, bunk shit. to be like, Mabes. And then I didn't take that very well. <laughs> and you can, if you sit up really fast, then you're, it's like face right into the... Um, well, she said I made a very guttural sound. <laughs> she was like, it wasn't even like, it wasn't even like, oh, I'm still sorry. I was like, oh. And then she said it was a look of actual panic. I was like, 
why would you do that? Is that, is that 4D? I don't Not know. during Supernatural, yeah. No. It is 4D. That's the fourth dimension oh, of entertainment happened. watching. So that, that was intense. See, um, I feel like... Now, look, I, I don't... I don't know if there's any room, but if if you need a melodica player in the band, I don't. You do do that. I don't do take do up that. a lot of space, and I could just like I could just sleep down there and just squeeze in the bottom. I'll well, squeeze in the bottom. I'll I'll quit all the. We could work in like an Alanis Morissette cover or something to get a little bit. Melodica <laughs> in there. You work. guys, by the way, I heard a great cover that you guys did of um, "I Will Die for You." Ah, thank you. Fucking We're awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess radio stations in the UK um, oftentimes want you to do covers when you do sessions. So, yeah, we did. We did that. But I guess we had to put, them, put the covers on ice for a bit because I think we were getting a bit of a reputation, which is great that people really like them. But at the same time, I was like, Ugh, you don't want to be that band that's got one record and 25 covers. And a bunch of covers. Yeah, Because then you're a cover band. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and I think we did a acoustic acoustic and inverted commas cover of an Arctic Monkey song for a radio station in Australia um, and be still my heart there was a moment where somebody uh, told us they'd read an interview with the with the band where they'd someone had asked them about it and apparently he said something um, Alex Turner said something along the lines of churches oh is that the band with the guy that's always banging on that little back box <laughs> I don't know if that's word for word correct. I was like, that's not how I imagined it would go. <laughs> but at least I'm on the radar. Hey, he's heard of us, I, I think. Like, yes, he likes me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so that's a bit weird. And they, I think that's one of those ones, like, um, where they walked, I saw them walking around at Lollapalooza, and I was like, don't look at them. Also, I was like, Martin, get out of the way. <laughs> I was like, you're, like, get away with the box, move. Like, stop, stop doing that. <laughs> uh, you, you should have screamed across him. Hey, Alex, this is the guy that bangs in the fucking box. Yeah. <laughs> There's some kind of, that's what she said, pun there, but I don't know <laughs> where that's going. <laughs> you know, I am constantly marveled that the she in that scenario is a monster. Mm. That's what <laughs> she said. What a monster she is. She is <laughs> up to she all that? sorts of no good activities. <laughs> What's, uh, wh- how do you guys... Do you guys interact at all when you're in the bus on the road, or does everyone just sort of shut into your um, own cocoons? I think it depends on the day. Um, I guess I feel like we've all learned an awful lot in the last couple of years about people skills. Mm-hmm. Reading people, it's pretty important. And I guess sometimes, because you do live like on top of each other, you never, other than when you get a shower in the day room, the day hotel room, you pretty much are with each other all the time. So yeah. sometimes people just need a minute to have their own thoughts. But um, sometimes we do some communal viewing in the back lounge, which is quite good. Um, and a guy that's supporting us on this tour, um, a guy called The Range, yeah. um, he's a really lovely guy and revealed the other day that he has the Paramore documentary on his computer that was, I don't think was released in the UK. So Martin and I have never seen it and we were like, oh, man, we have to that now. We were like, no, we have, to, we have to play a show. We can't. We have to calm down. Everyone's fine. So I think we're going to watch it tomorrow. But now we've been thinking about it for like three days and I'm like, I want to hear the live vocal. I bet they're all really nice. I'm getting really intense about it. So it's a bit weird, isn't it? No, that's not at all. I and mean, True Detective. We did True Detective communally um, on tour as well. So we would wait and every week and then we were like, eh, okay, we can watch now it. Now you can watch. So, yeah, it was pretty tense. And I'm terrible. I'm awful with twists. Like I, in a way, I think it's nicer for me. Like people that can see twists coming, I feel a bit. I'm like you're very smart, but I feel bad for you. Cause, <laughs> but I never like I like to be reasonably okay in the brain department. Right. But I never see it coming at all. And when things happen, I'm like, oh, I can't believe this. But that's the greatest way to be able to watch things. <laughs> yeah. Like even I went to see Shutter Island at the cinema with a friend, and he was like, when the twist happened, which I won't say just in case, 
someone somewhere. Oh, I will it. because fuck, you know that fucking <laughs> twist was like really everyone was play acting the t- entire fucking movie for this guy. And by the way, if you haven't seen Shutter Island yet, it was not important enough to you. So fuck <gasps> you. That's your fault. Okay, that was a side note. You, you, you can say that. I can't. No, it's your you, podcast. No, you, you can, can shout at them yeah, if you want. I don't want to. I I can take the mountain of hate of like, hey, you suck, man. You're a douchebag. How could you say that? I was I was waiting to surprise my <laughs> wife with Shutter Island. Shutter I Island. I would choose something else. That was that was a. That was one of those, like, oh, come on twists well, for me. and I think my friend who I went to see it with, Dave, of Podcast Recommendation. Yes, from, thank you, Dave. Um, was like, are you actually kidding? I could tell from the trailer that that's what was going to happen. And then I was like, well, that just makes you really intelligent. Well, well at the bit, I was like, oh, but does that mean that there's a, oh. And I just, just no. If it <laughs> no, makes you feel something. any better, I didn't see the twist coming, but I was mad at it. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's fair. And I suppose that came, came out kind of rent. Kind of around the same time as Inception, did it? it was roughly. Some it was. Like, I time think it period. was. Was it the next movie after Inception? Um, and then the, yeah, the bit at the end with the spinning. I remember uh, I went with a friend who's from Newcastle in mm-hmm. the UK, and uh, I remember her saying really loudly, "Oh, you're joking!" Just as like <laughs> just as the credits went, she was like, "Oh, what?" And she was really angry about it loudly in the cinema in Glasgow. And I think a lot of people were like, "She's right." Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was annoying. But whenever whenever Michael Caine is sad, I am sad. Michael Caine. Oh my god, yeah. I can't, oh well, I can't deal with it. Like whenever he's like pff, the the. Sorry, I'm sorry, I let you down. Batman situation was very upsetting. So, you know, in fucking uh, in Dark Knight Rises, he cries in every scene. I'm sorry, I let you down, <laughs> Bruce. I tried oh, to raise you like a father. So like every sad. scene was like, I did the best I could. And it's like, he what did. the fuck? What are they? He did it is, I don't know. He was blubbery yeah. Alfred in that one. I feel like in the same measure that I don't uh, see twists coming, I get very, very. Uh, I don't know if you picked up on this from this podcast. I'm quite sensitive. Um, <laughs> I try and carry it off with a reasonable amount of humor. Sure, but oof, when when films and like TV happens I'm like I'm so invested in this <laughs> um, and I'm like they're like we've been watching it for 10 minutes how can you care that much about those characters and I'm like but just imagine imagine it was you now what do you so. think is the most if you were not you what do you think is the most ridiculous movie that you've cried at oh uh, I don't know let me think I cried a lot of, a lot of things <laughs> um, I, dem- I remember um, what's it called it's got Felicity Jones in it, and the chap Anton Anton Yelchin, was it the guy that was in Star Trek reboots? I can't remember what's it called. It's about. Um, Let's find oh, out. Why can't I think of the? Why can't I think of the name of it? I went to see it in the cinema like on an afternoon because I had like a multiplex card thing, um, and it's like she's gone to America, to with her, she goes back without a visa, and then they have to be like separated, and it's really sad. Kyle, are you it would help this? if I get, I'm working. Blaming jet lag brain. Oh, jet lag brain. Jet lag brain. But I remember it being like genuinely like it was very difficult to get through that experience, and I was like, "This is so sad." Yes. <laughs> oh man. Like, are you okay? Do you need a tissue? Like, I just remember finding it really upsetting, and then I watched it again on DVD, and now in hindsight, I'm like, "Well, technically, she's got a good job in London now, and she can't go back because she's now like." on the blacklist for the visas but he could he builds furniture he could build furniture in London why didn't he just go and I'm like oh what and I remember like just like like empty cinema in the afternoon just like open my eyes like like so sad yeah it's sort of like in X3 where you're supposed to be really sad that uh, Wolverine's gotta kill Phoenix when he's basically just standing on a pile of the shit that could cure her mutant power and save everyone why doesn't he just yeah. Make her not a mutant anymore, and be like, "All right, let's get out of here." But even like, I also got laughed at a lot for um, crying at the the part where um, 
not in that film, but when uh, James McAvoy's like, I can't feel my legs. Oh, yeah. And I was oh, like, oh, the no. End of, and I was like, the end of first class. I was like, this is very important in terms of the plot, but also I was like, oh, it's very upsetting for you, personally. Yes, well, <laughs> I mean, it is. not only just that he couldn't feel his legs, but it's like, you've been betrayed. But his oldest friend. And yeah, like other people were like, it's, you know, don't, don't be upset by that. Like, calm down. And I was like, Kid, it's the human core of the film. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to feel bad about that. Yes, yes. But, Magneto was... Was yeah. was was on a uh, at the core of it a good cause, but just expressing it in a in a bad way, and he he paralyzed his best friend mm. by deflecting the bullet into his spine. I feel like there's some kind of Scottish referendum parallel there. I don't know where it is. By the way, <laughs> by the way, there's a fucking shit ton of mutants running around, and if you watched uh, if you watched the most recent one, I did. Yes. Okay, so there's a. There's a mutant that basically can send people's consciousness back into time, kind of like Quantum Leap. That was, yeah. But was no one can, like, fix someone's spine. Like, there's got to be some crazy spinal surgery mutant power. So, like, there's a mutant for everything. Plus, I guess it's one of those ones where it's better to not ask questions. I've kind of noticed films with, like, time travel kind of situations. I'm like, either you, you shouldn't explain it at all, and we all just kind of sign up yeah. and we believe, but then once you kind of start explaining I'm like mm, oh I don't know like that doesn't seem like that but mm. and then not that I know a huge amount about the physics of it but listen I you know I'm the biggest Doctor Who fan in the world but if you start no if don't you unravel s- it don't pull the thread if you Just start if you start you know if you start kind of going well why is that a fixed point in time and that you know what I'm just going to be okay with it I think um, I'm completely terrible with names today but the Joseph Gordon-Levitt Bruce Willis time travels Looper, yes. I like that there's technically a point where they kind of almost bring it up and they're about to talk about it. And then he's like, oh, we're not going to talk about that. And then they just move on. And I was like, I'm glad because it's probably not going to, we're going to start picking it apart. And I don't want to do that. I just want to enjoy it as it is. Yes. And also, can we mention uh, Peter Capaldi representing Glasgow as the doctor quite yes. nicely right now? Yes. And it's quite, I like, uh, I like watching it because. I can just remember his character from the thick of it. The thick of it, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, at what point is <laughs> is the Doctor going to start saying really, really intensely awful but very creative things to people? The TARDIS is taking off and he says, Fuckity bye! And then, <laughs> whoa! Yep. That's, the- that's just how he neutralizes all <laughs> all these situations which would just be with a really horrible, <laughs> horrible slagging. I knew I was going to love him. The very first line of his in the thick of it, and please forgive my terrible Scottish accent, is him going, I'm excited. That's about as useful as a marzipan dildo. <laughs> And that that, li- that nugget of gorgeousness yep. made me fall in love with him. Teach me how to do the perfect Scottish accent. Oh, I don't know. Well, um, I think we should. Do- you should meet um, our front of house guy. He's got one of the best Scottish accents. Like I can understand him. We can all understand him fine. But whenever he speaks to people in America, they're like, mm? like they just can't. What are you saying? Can't get him at all. And his name is Paul Gallagher, but his, he, people shorten his name to Gal because it's mm-hmm. the beginning of his second name. But when he says that to people, they're like, huh? like what? Gal, 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 Gal. They just can't. Like they tilt, turn into crows. Tilt, tilt their head like a confused huh? dog. And we're like, no, Gal. And they're like, Gal, Gal. And I'm like, oh, it's not a real name. I'm sorry. So we're just like, guy, front house guy, <laughs> guy, Scott, guy, Paul. Is, the glasses is fine. Don't worry about it. But yeah, that would be quite. You should. Um, Record that, uh, like, kind of in a world style, follow people around, record the voices, and then practice. Yes. That's how that would work. So that I can come back and not embarrass myself. Yep. And then you would get away with your <laughs> saying really awful things and be like, it was my Peter Capaldi impression. It's funny. <laughs> it's my Malcolm It's my Malcolm I was just Tucker. doing lines from the thick of it. It's not, yeah. it's not what you think it is. I don't know how people, like, I guess with all stuff like that, if there's any improv involved, I don't know how people keep 
keep straight faces when that's happening. I'm like, how did you come up with these awful, awful things you just said? <laughs> Ridiculous. Do you ever want? Would you ever want to do any acting or anything? I don't think I'd be very good at it, to be honest. Um, I know we just talked about how I'm so emotional, but I would need to be like fed the thing to be emotional about, and then they're like, go, 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 like wind her up like a spinning top, and then be like, oh, crying scene. Um, but no, I don't think I'd be very good at it, to be honest. Um, I don't think I've ever really tried. So that's mm-hmm. defeatist, isn't it? That is. <laughs> but but if, listen, if it's not something that calls to you, then it's not really that important. And it doesn't matter. Yeah, like I guess I can like I. We're all massive film fans in the band but I don't know like maybe it's just something I should enjoy from a distance without taking away the mystery have you ever thought about ultimately what it is like what do you what do you want like what do you want to do are you doing it now or is it it just more of this or is there are there other things um I don't know I would say I've lucked out I landed on my feet there that worked quite well um, because before this, I guess I was doing like freelance journalism, and I was like a production assistant for film and TV stuff. So I kind of always liked like be helping put together the stuff, you know. And at the end, you have the end product, and you're like, we helped make that. But I don't. Ironically, I was never really like, oh, I want to be in the middle of that and have have everybody be looking at my face. <laughs> so right. Maybe that was an error of judgment. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm not sure. I guess we don't know how this is going to go, so we'll just keep trying to do this for as long as it seems right and then I don't know probably going back trying to do the film and TV stuff I think I always tried thought like documentaries was maybe where I kind of wanted to end up just you know research guy on a documentary I'd be fine with that that would be pretty nice are you are you taking any footage on the while you're doing this tour at all um we take bits and mobs here and there but um we were kind of talking about I was thinking about the other day maybe like when we kind of go back home, I was like, it'd be good just to take, like, you know, DSLR or GoPro or whatever into the studio and just, like, keep, like, loading it up onto something. And then however many years later, then we can make something out of it. Go back. Because I guess whenever you see those band documentaries, you're like, oh, having the foresight to have thought to document that. Maybe that's the smart thing. So, yeah, I don't know. And you're going to Vegas tomorrow? We, or have, we are. We are driving overnight to Vegas. But I've never, I've never been. I'm well, a bit, I'm a let bit me scared. tell you, it's the best representation of America. Okay. It's fun. You know, it's... <laughs> I don't know what to compare it to. I mean, I don't know... I honestly don't know what the UK equivalent of of it mm. is. I don't think there's really anything... Yeah, maybe it's kind of one, one of itself, but I don't know. I watched some footage around the last American election of the... Uh, last Republican rallies so I feel like I might have seen I might have seen the dark side well it's funny because it's you know there's a lot of city but most people identify the strip as ultimately being what Las Mm. Vegas is I mean like the rest of the is Britney Britney Spears is she still there I think she might still be there not like I'm like I don't know no I mean you don't know know. it's not like I'm gonna like phone her up and be like hey but I just wondered (laughs) because I think that's why I associate with I suppose the, the massive casinos the strip and the residencies yeah, it's just uh, 24 hours a day. It's blingy. It's it's loud. It, it's people. It, people have a Vegas mode setting where they're like, I can do whatever I want. Like, it's a lot of that. So um, I should wear a helmet. You should wear a helmet and riot gear. Um, but okay. it's, uh, you know, I don't know how to prepare you for it. It's, it's, it's. The food's really good. If you like good food, <laughs> like th- that's like uh, <laughs> those kind of backhanded compliments. Um, like I was talking about this with a friend the other day, and we were like, um, "He was really good at the game." To be fair, um, 
um, about kind of backhanded compliments that you can give people or they've given you when you come off stage, but they obviously didn't like it, but you're trying to find something positive oh, yeah. to oh, say. We, oh, yes, yes, yes. I love this game. Oh, okay, what did you come up with? Um, <laughs> my favorite one that he came up with was, I saw you up there. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that one. That's my uh, favorite. And I should I should credit that because that's not my joke. But um, it was that guy, uh, Michael Azarad, the uh-huh. music journalist guy. Um, he runs a website called The Talk House, which I sometimes write for. So he came to our show in New York, and we were having just having a wee chat afterwards. And he's a lovely man, like completely everything that you would you would hope. So wise, so sage, but very funny. And this this game was top notch. I was like, this isn't the first time he's played this. Surely <laughs> he's so good at it. Um, and if anyone brings up tone, be like, you guitar tone, mm. really good. <laughs> like you things of change changed a lot you guys have come changed. i gotta say those the shapes of your guitars were <laughs> so cool where did you get those yeah or then uh my favorite one which probably won't come across on the podcast is just like pointing at somebody and then kind of miming their instrument whilst nodding and smiling they're like and then uh, th- we were all laughing about it for like 50 minutes and then i think there was probably a slow dawning realization where we were like people wrote that that's definitely happened <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely happened to me, and you're like, oh, the joke's not funny anymore. <laughs> no, or, uh, uh, well, with my thing, it's a lot of, uh, you're so brave, I could never get up there and do that. I could never do that. Well, and you're like, does, does that imply, you're like, that implies that it was really, like, I was very brave to come out of that in one piece because it went so badly. <laughs> no, it's very, there's people, like, if they don't, like, if you have a bad set and they don't know what to say, it's just basically, they, they're putting, they're saying, like, I could never do stand-up. I mean, it's hard, you know, like, they, it's sort of, where they're almost kind of, they're kind of acknowledging that it, I mean, they, thankfully, this has not happened in a really long time, but it, it is, it, it has, it has happened, mm-hmm. and they do sort of point out, like, the, hey, look, or, I guess it's different, because they'll go, um, I don't know what was wrong with the crowd, I mean, I thought it was great, <laughs> and, and I've had people say that before, when the show actually went okay, and I was like, well, I felt okay about it before, but now... Oh, now I'm all in my head like, about it. Um, I was watching the other day. I don't know what. Like recently, I've been watching a lot of on tour documentaries whilst on tour. Sure. Which I'm like, oh, this is kind of meta. What we're doing here. Um, but I watched Mistaken for Strangers the mm-hmm. other day, the national thing. And there's a bit where um, I don't think they've had they've had some technical problems, and the singer's just in the bathroom washing his face and being like, oh god, what a shit show. And his brother's filming him, and he's like, why? What's wrong? What's wrong with you? What's wrong? Oh, I didn't think it was that bad. That, oh, oh, where's it going? And it's just like making it so much worse. Just oh, cringe, so awful. Yeah, Matt Berninger when he was on the he was he told us he told us. Oh, he was he was on the podcast. He was on the podcast. I should have taken that down when I was there. <laughs> I was like, oh, see, that's what I mean. Like, I th- he was on the podcast. He was oh, a, yes, uh, take two. Very interesting. Yeah, but I thought that like um, before I had watched that, I guess I was like. I think it was really nice, really, really better that they left it that way. It was like if they tried to make it a kind of like shiny PR friendly, like yeah. oh, great band, great tour, isn't this all very profound? Then it would have probably just been kind of run the mill tour documentary. But I was like, when you're watching it, I was like, yeah, it's about the band, but it's about like families and relationships and stuff. And you can totally tell the dynamic. It doesn't matter what they're doing now, but that's still the dynamic where he's like, you didn't prepare anything. Stop being such a like <laughs> completely disorganized little brother. And you're like, they just totally know each other so well, but totally at the end of the tether with. This stuff. I don't yeah, know. I mean, he just basically shot all that footage, and then just <laughs> oh, made it. Just so, like, yeah, so many cringe bits, so many like really cringe bits where you're like, "Oh, ground, swallow, swallow me." <laughs> but but I yeah. feel like um, I feel like UK sensibilities are much more 
gravitate toward the cringe moments in entertainment. Yeah. Because we, uh, made, we gave you Ricky Gervais. You gave us, yes, you gave us Ricky Gervais, and you also gave us Sasha Baron Cohen. Yes. Oh, yeah. So much cringe to be had. I wonder what it is about the British the British people. We're my just... guess is, and obviously I'm not British, so I don't know, but my guess is that um, uh, it's there's a certain way that you conduct yourself socially. It's very apologetic. And, and also, yeah, yeah, and so... You know, when someone comes out of a situation and creates those moments, it's like one of the most, it's one of the biggest violations of social conduct you could possibly have. So it's fun to watch because you could never do, you you wouldn't, you would hopefully never do that. I hope so. But maybe it's, is that the fantasy mode where you're like, imagine being that inappropriate. <laughs> I can't imagine that. Yeah. But, I think with that in America, just be like, oh, fuck, look at that guy. Like, that's, our, <laughs> that's how we approach everything. Oh, maybe. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, Ian from the band's always like, you take such pleasure in awkwardness. I'm like, I don't. I don't think. And he's like, but when it's happening, you're like, oh, it's happening. Look like, at this. Point it out. But I'm like, but we're all aware. So in a way, I'm like, okay, maybe it's just easier to, you know, cauterize the wound and be like, oh, this is really uncomfortable. That's awkward what we've done there. Let's just collectively move on. Hey, let me <laughs> but ask you a question. Like, we have to ignore it. I'm like, but I think just shine a light on it and then carry and then on. and then move on. Yes. Just burn it out real fast. But it, you know, it's like if we just stay there wondering about it, like tragedy plus comedy. No, yeah, tragedy plus, plus yeah, time. Tragedy time equals plus joke. There should be joke, joke in there. Yeah. I always think that formula is actually distance plus time. No, I'm sorry. Tragedy plus distance. I think it's tragedy plus distance, and I think time is a form of distance. The distance between two events. And I suppose there needs to be a joke, because it's not like, <laughs> just after a certain amount of time, you're like, ha! That was funny. <laughs> yeah. You're like, no, you have to like make something. Because if, if, you, if you threw a boomerang in someone's face, it wouldn't be very funny. Yeah. But if that guy was like a mile away, and he was really small, and you just went, <laughs> and then like a minute later, you just saw, <laughs> and then you saw him fall down, <laughs> it's really funny. So I think... I think I think tragedy plus distance is funny, and distance is a form, uh, and time is a form of distance. It's all getting very, oh it's shit! Very intense. I don't mean to break it down too much. Um, <laughs> I'll do that. I'll bore the shit out of you, Lauren. Um, what uh, when you do two shows back to back in the same city? Are you doing the Are you doing the same set? Are you mixing it up? Or how How do you make your shows? Long enough? Is that where you're going? No, I with mean, this? how do you? How do you? There's how, only one record. It's true. I know, but how do you make your sh- like? I mean, do you mix up the orders, or do you do different covers, or how do you make it? How do you present a new show every night, night after night, when you're, you know, like, how do you do that? Um, well, at the moment, we're not really, we don't really play the covers. I'm sorry. That's, if that's right. what you've come for. But. That, just come for the one cover. But, um, but, yeah, I guess we kind of, um, we play the record in a couple of B-sides. Um, and I guess we kind of approach it in the same way as we did with the album. Like, you know, you have to sequence it so there's an ebb and flow and things yeah. go nicely. Um so it took us a while to kind of find a rhythm with that. So it depends what length of set we have to do. So we've got a certain number of sets that we would do depending on those. But, um, yeah, I think we're quite nerdy about that stuff in terms of, like, the way we um, sequence the record. Mm-hmm. We did it so that um, Ian especially is a massive vinyl head. Mm-hmm. And he was like, it needs to be, like, side A and side B. And that's how it should work. So then if people want to get the vinyl, then it'll work on vinyl. And then it'll translate on CD. And then it'll... But, um yeah, and then I felt a bit. I was like, no one tell them that we live in a culture where like people just download one song. They only want the song with the oh bit in it. They don't. Want the, you know, but but I was like, I think that's nice because I was like, then you're covering all your bases, and I think you can. You know, when you get an album and it's just like front loaded with what were obviously the written for radio singles, and then a bunch of other stuff. I'm like, uh, like maybe that works, but I guess I was like, but that's not essentially pretentious. But I guess that's not where we come from. 
as right. musicians, we're like, we want to make, like, your album is your whole piece of work that you've made. So why would you, like, front load everything, and then if they get bored, then they don't have to listen to the rest. That's I mean, right. It's a terrible idea. But it is interesting to, that the more you do this types of thing, the, the, these, these shows, the more you start to feel like, and it's it's amazing how universal it can be, where something in one city has a specific vibe to it, and it'll work in another city and another city. Uh, I think it's really cool. I think it just means that there are there are some certain types of universal truths when it comes to entertainment. I think so. Plus, I guess um, again, this probably sounds very pretentious. Maybe that's just a disclaimer for the whole thing. No, I, I, I understand. Um, but I guess um, for me, I was like the cool thing for us is that we've traveled so many different places but the songs and the set can still communicate with people and I was like I guess that's about communicating with people in a kind of visceral emotional way sure like that's it's that's how they it'll bounce back and like the culture can be completely different and you could be playing in Orlando fingers crossed that'll work well um, and people will still respond in the same way to the same parts in the set which is quite interesting yeah it's kind of social study how do you know that you've done it? Like, what do you what do you need to happen for you to feel like you did a good show? Um, I don't know. I guess it's kind of a weird one where you personally kind of had a bad show, but then afterwards people can be like, "It was a great gig," but you were always like, you know, critiquing it in your head. And you're like, "Well, I didn't like that bit. That bit was a bit. You could have done that better." But I guess um, audience audience response is always very helpful because you can. I guess it's kind of a loop. You see that people are um, having a good time, and then you can kind of. Be like, okay, everything's going fine. Everyone's enjoying it. That's fine. Um, but never look anyone in the eye. Never, never <laughs> do that. Because uh, then you just get trapped. You're in this tractor beam and you can't get out. And you're trying so, to figure out what are they, what are they experiencing? Yeah. What are they seeing? And there was a really, it was really lovely, really lovely moment um, where a few months ago there was a guy that was standing directly in front of Ian and uh, Ian would kind of go forward and play bass and every time he would go forward this guy would just like completely freak out and he was like just totally like body slamming off like the barrier and things and he was just like shaking his hands to the heavens and uh, the range took some video of it and put it on Instagram and I was watching after it and I was like that's so nice but it was just it was so like I caught it at the wrong point and in my head I was like that's really funny like it's so like <laughs> I was like that's so nice but just the way he's doing it was so funny and I was like don't look at him and I'm like oh can't now I can't go over there because I'm gonna like just you know when you get fixated on it mm-hmm. and then you're like don't laugh about that that's not funny Mm-mm. and I'm like oh no it's gonna happen not publicly but um but yeah and I was like that's so nice that he's that invested in it that he was just swept away but it's really good that it's on Instagram because now I can but it's look really at funny. it and now be like you can laugh oh, about it privately yeah. yeah now you, can, you don't have to laugh about it but publicly but it was so nice that's Still great very funny. <laughs> well I don't want to take up all your time You, we this, this we just we just talked for an hour can you believe that flew by come on and you didn't even ask like why do you have the V name because you knew already you didn't ask me the what's it like to be in a girl in the band question what's it like to be the gr- a girl people ask you that yeah I made a joke I, th- I thought it was <laughs> This, this is why you do your job and I do mine who I thought was a funny joke about that the other day and the, the response was oh what was the joke <laughs> well somebody was like what's, it, what's, what's the difference um, being a girl in a band and being a guy in a band and I was like periods <laughs> because I was like surely this is a really stupid question will we not pass this and then the poor woman on the phone went oh <laughs> I think that's hilarious. <laughs> I was like, oh no she's, not, she's probably not going to put it in because it's going to make her uncomfortable you know that person was wrong so I, I would I, I don't think I would have asked that question, but if I had asked that question and you had said that, I, I would have been absolutely delighted. So maybe this is better audience. No you know, you have to gauge the audience before you put the joke out. Here's suppose. the thing. You're in the right you're you're in your humor tribe right now. So this helps. You don't have to worry about it. if you're talking to like serious music journalists, 
Then they left. Hmm? Hmm? What? What is that supposed to mean? Well, I don't know. I was just fucking around. She seemed seeming obsessed with periods, Mabry said. <laughs> was like, she oh, on no. her period? I don't know. She kept talking about it. She seemed very emotional. Other <laughs> plus other female stereotypes. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh my god. That's... I am very oh no, I talked about crying during films earlier, how much I get so emotional about everything. So. Oh no, 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 oh, no. I you oh, know, no. He, here's the problem. I've got I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna ultimately be a crier in movie in movies and I, I'm not I know I'm going to get there because my dad, even uh, up until the day he died, he he was in his 70s, he fucking cried at every movie. Just got to give yourself over to it. Just let it happen. I don't mean just like tear trickling down his face. (laughs) Like, if you were watching King Kong and King Kong falls off the building, you'd all of a sudden you'd hear, "Uh, uh," like, and you look over like, Dad, come on. It's a fucking giant gorilla. He's not... not, But in a way, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's important to experience the range of emotions, you know? The completely crying laughter and the completely crying crying, I guess. Um, never let me go. Never watch that again. Oh, dear. No, my God, oh. that movie. Oh. But it's the, it's the closing like soliloquy where she's like, at the end of the day, everybody just wanted a little bit more time. And I'm like... You know, the heart... Of the <laughs> and then you just fucking know it's coming because... Tommy's going down. They're Tommy living, is not they're, sticking around. They're all having a they're all having a great time, and it's like, oh, they're getting They've, drunk and having sex and eating they, food. You know, and it's they like all made up. They sorted out their personal problems, and that's it. And gone, piece by piece. But I thought it, I really enjoyed it, but then afterwards I was like, I won't never watch that again. <laughs> that will be the end. Blue Valentine. No, 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 never again. Yeah, no. if uh, you know, that's I take I take I take that I take movies really. I mean, like, I'm I'm very empathetic mm-hmm. in the way where I just, like, I'm a fucking emotional sponge. So whatever is going on in the thing, I'm just, I'll yep. just absorb it. And uh, I will not, if I go on a, like, if, I'm a, if I were to go on a date with a girl. Don't go like, see Blue Valentine, that'd be awful. <laughs> I'm like, um, can we see, so, like, Dumb and Dumber? You know, like, yeah. I would be. Uh, I had to, like, oh, at the end of that film, I was like, I need to convince myself that I was like, I kept being like it's the end of the film but it doesn't mean it's the end of the story so you know like maybe like everyone was fine like they all figured it out in their own way and it doesn't mean they were together it was just like it definitely got better though right didn't it yeah didn't it? Or, or maybe there were some other people somewhere and then they they overcame it somehow or the it's not real it's not real like no, either of those I'm not here this isn't happening yeah you just <laughs> Michael Stipe Michael Stipe how to disappear just, <laughs> just chant it over and over again like some kind of CBT mantra like yeah that was a heavy note to leave it on. No, I think it was a good <laughs> note to leave it on. All right. I think it was a nice. I think it was a nice dismount. Because you're, we're bad and you're bad. When do you go on tonight? Um, we're on quarter past ten, I think. Quarter past so, ten. Okay, great. Yeah, we have to go sound check and all that. And apparently, I didn't know this until earlier today. The this is the venue that is the inside of the Silencio in Mulholland Drive. Really? Apparently, fun the Tower fact. Theater. Apparently so. Yeah, your manager was like, they're not really, it's it's like they don't really usually have bands yeah, here. Yeah, I think we were trying to find a place to do an extra gig because yesterday's one sold out pretty quickly. So, yeah, we kind of come full circle. Yeah. That's what we talked about yeah. at the start. Um, but we were just trying to find a space and we were like, oh, just like a small kind of grimy club show. It's gorgeous A lot inside. of places were kind of booked up and these people kindly stepped forward. So I'll try and not, maybe they try and not make the show too lynchy. <laughs> kind of dancing, dancing scary, trippy midgets. Yeah, quite a weird dream sequence. But you don't, you don't dance though, because people are say you should dance more. Well, maybe I'll channel that, or just kind of. Oh no, I was going to make a horrible Laura Palmer joke, but I don't think that'd be very nice. Why? It's fine. Uh, Laura lay, Palmer laying prostate on the ground with like <laughs> a little sheet, and then uh, this, that's how we start the show. Somebody takes a plastic sheet off. Oh my god! If you started the show Twin Peaks style, 
legendary. That would be pretty. Dis- well, apparently, um, I think Bastille started their show with the the Twin Peaks theme tune. Oh, they did. Yeah, so because you, we were playing. We were playing in Houston, and there's a thing. There's a thing there called Twin Peaks, which is like Hooters, kind of. Yeah. But like, with, oh no! Yeah, it's no, like, no. and I was very confused because I was like, "Oh, Twin Peaks is that like a themed?" And then the the label rep that was with us was like, "You don't want to go in there." <laughs> <laughs> and it's basically like Hooters, but they wear like little kind of cropped, um, you know, like flannel shirt, kind of like Kyle's shirt here. But yeah, with, Kyle likes <laughs> to take cut, his cans out every once in yeah. a while. And you know, more power to them. Do what they want to do. Feminism is about supporting people doing what they want to do and being themselves. But, I but think... at the same time, I'm like, guys, no. Oh, okay, no, I think uh, I think a tit-themed restaurant called Twin Peaks, I'm going to say less power to them. Yeah, and we were playing this festival, and on the screen at the back of it, you could just see this advert kept going around. It would be like, join uh, like doing all these things, advertising, and then Twin Peaks. And I made a joke about it on stage where I was like, I really need to, this is the last song because I need to leave because I can't see that ever again because <laughs> it's making me really unhappy. But um, good luck with that and then right after we finished on this st- flip stage uh, Bastille started right afterwards and they started their set with the Twin Peaks theme tune and I, was, I got really like irrationally angry because I thought it was people from the festival making fun of me oh. and I was like oh you think it's funny oh assholes it's like not funny objective oh no it's somebody else uh, yep and then Ian was like climb down you're shouting quite loudly like, <laughs> there's no need but um, yeah sorry sorry Bastille I didn't know didn't know. I'm gonna come. I want to come to the show tonight. And you'll get to see it. I would love to see the show. That would be good fun. And then come. hopefully you can get all the, the Lynchy references. Yeah, I will absolutely. Maybe it'll go down even worse than my Star Wars. References. No, 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 no. <laughs> Could it be even worse than that? I don't know. No, no. They're they those people were wrong. They were wrong. It was funny. Anyway, <laughs> not <laughs> I think every it was funny. not every you know. Um, plus, I thought that maybe um, I dressed up as a Jawa last Halloween. So and we put it on the internet. So I assumed that the kids who followed us on the internet they would know. They, they would, would get know. us. They would get us. Um, <laughs> and hey, you laugh. It took a lot of planning because I don't like to. I don't like to buy a pre-made costume. Right. I don't want to do that. It's cheating. No, it's cheating. So well, not that you know if people want to do that's fine. But I guess I was like, I'm a creative person. I can do this. <laughs> um, but we were on tour and we got home like on the thirty first. So I just. Um, bought a number of ingredients and sent them to a friend and he had to open them and check that they were viable so a uh, kind of brown monk's cloak um, and what I think is quite racistly termed by the way Amazon uh, Mexican shooter belt okay like once. sure yeah no mm-hmm. um, and then some bike lights some orange bike lights and then a hockey mask spray painted black put the lights kind of on the outside and then black gaffer tape in them so they were shaped like the eyes you know what's great about that is that it's an easy to make costume but and no it, one bothers but you but it looks like you put a lot of work into it, mm-hmm. and it's it's original. And it was a good fun. And we went to a club night, and flashing flashing bike lights for eyes are great during that kind of experience. And I went with Martin, and we went into a club in Glasgow. And I guess now because we're in context in Glasgow all the time, yeah. So we get uh, people talk to us a lot more there. But I was like, this is a really weird, like flip experience where nobody spoke to me the whole time because I was a Jawa. Nobody yeah, they knew. wouldn't know. It's the perfect and then costume. Martin was like, "You're not gonna help me out." I'm like, "Nope, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get the drinks, and you're gonna deal with it." So yeah, it was nice. Are you gonna do like, Halloween this year? Um, well, we're playing a Pitchfork Festival in Paris oh, okay. on Halloween, oh. so we need to we need to. I was like, we need to have a power because I feel like it needs to be a group endeavor. Yeah. Uh, last year we played. The night before, we played in Oslo, I think. Um, and Ian's really, actually a really good artist, and he did some kind of uh, death metal corpse paint on yep. us. And it was very intricate, and it was really good. And then we were, after we played, people were like, mm, it's not really a big deal here. 
I was like, oh, crap. Like, we just like, spent ages making this. So, yeah, I feel like we need to we need to choose something that's that will work as a unit. Supernatural? You could uh, whoop out your Castiel uh, <laughs> cosplay? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I kind of... I would just, like... Would I, would it be Sam or Dean looking angsty? What, at what point are they going to find a demon they need to... Like, the only way it can be neutralized is by, like, them taking their tops off. Like, <laughs> I feel like I'm like, that's... There was one scene I was like, mm, I'd like this program, I see what they're doing here, where uh, Sam was in the shower and Dina come back, like, and you could hear them talking through the motel door, but then Sam comes out to be like, What? Dad, what? And he's got a, lo- a, lo- a low slung towel around his waist and hasn't even dried his torso. And I was like, I have never left a bathroom like that in my life. <laughs> but at the same time, I was like, fair enough. Get, you know, fair enough. I feel like I could rock the Dean cosplay, okay? Because we have the same coloring. And you, yeah, your shirt's off. Sammy! <laughs> Sam! <laughs> oh, Sam, I was getting into scrapes. There's crazy supernatural scrapes and their yeah. devil dealings and whatnot. Know. Plus, it seems like every costume I've come up with so far that's been suggested, uh, Martin's been like, yep, you can't be wearing a mask, you can't have something over your mouth. And I'm like, crap! All the good ideas. So, why, why are these rules being placed on you? Well, I feel like if we're actually playing a gig, because I was like, I want to be Bane. That's oh, my yeah. main excitement. And I was like, because I would really enjoy that, and wouldn't it be great fun, and it would be hilarious when we were doing all the press. Um, but then they were like, yeah, think about it. When you were singing with the... Or your mouth, it wouldn't work. Yeah, but if you had... But if it was like a little talk box thing that you could... Yeah. Hello, Los Angeles. You know, like that's. <laughs> and then try and sing through it. And just sound like a really old version of me. That for <laughs> Halloween, that would be fucking awesome. Plus, now we need to do our geographical research in advance. Was that? I assume it was massive in France because it was massive everywhere. But would they get the reference? I think they would. I think. I think they would get Bane. Or maybe I need to just re- research. Bonjour, Paris. <laughs> Marion Cotillard. She was in that. They're probably not going to like that if I'm like, oh. I know a person from France. Like, you know, when people are like, oh, yeah, I know, I know you're Canadian, he- you must know, like, you know, like I heard somebody say that, they're like, oh, like, when we were playing a festival in Canada, and people were like, oh, do you know Tegan and Sarah to, like, one of the gig reps? And like, that's that would be a reach, but, like, they all know each other, and people are like, Also been on the podcast. I listened to that one, and it was awesome. They were they're great. In, they're in Los Angeles. Yes. Today, I think. Today and yesterday. They're so great. We love them an awful lot. They're well, I'm glad that we were able to trap your soul on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. You have been uh, amazing. Well, thank you. We got there. We We did. I was worried. This makes me so happy. You have no idea. Like, Mm -hmm. just a week ago, seeing the tweet. We turned it around. We turned it around. We made some jokes via DM, and you're very funny. Thank you. We did emojis. So we, did, we did emoji, <laughs> which was great, and uh, and it's nice. I'm very happy for your success, and I hope that you... I sincerely hope you take time to enjoy it. Yeah, I hope so. I think it'll be, it'll be good. We're yeah. having a good time. Um, and I think when we've got a little minute at Christmas time to sit down, maybe we'll just have a pint in Glasgow and be like, holy shit, <laughs> that happened. Well, it all goes by so fast yeah. that you really... Even if you have difficulty absorbing the moment as it's happening, because obviously you have to focus on other things, you have to focus on the show, you have sound check, you know, you got to get to the next town. You have to, at least at some point, I used to do this thing at the end of every year where I would just sort of write all the things that happened that I was really thankful for, just so I had a list. Yeah, keep making sure you appreciate it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, just even just to take that moment and go, oh, I got to do this and this and this, and I did this, and I got better in this area and I was nicer in this area and I did this less and, you know, here's some more stuff to work on, you know, yeah. but it's, but I think it's good because this is, you know, you look back at this time and be like, oh my God, that was so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe I'll make a list and then I'll have a big beer afterwards. And I'll be like, 
I achieved a lot. <laughs> well done, us. Yay, me. Yeah. All right, excellent. Would you do the honor of signing us off? <gasps> With the burrito? Mm-hmm. Yes. Please. Um, this was the Nerdist Podcast. Enjoy your burrito. Yes! Yes! We did it! I feel like that was a moment. That was a special moment. That was a special moment that makes you now part of the, the Nerdist uh, Expanded Universe. You're canon now. It's like six degrees of Nerdist bacon. <laughs> Enjoy your burrito.